much for joining us. This is Unlock You with Dr. Shannon Crawford. I'm a clinical psychologist, leadership consultant, and a really big fan of you getting to fulfill your life purpose. I want you to get unstuck and unlock your potential relationally, emotionally, spiritually, and vocationally. Thanks for joining us and let's get started. Welcome to Unlock You with Dr. Shannon Crawford. Today, my extravagantly awesome guest is Dr. Frank Marco. Uh, it helps when you get the person's name right. So we already had a little fiasco starting. <laughs> we are from the same Regent alumni, which is a university in Virginia Beach that I cannot sing their praises high enough. Um, and now we're both, well, I'm adjunct faculty and he is actual legit real faculty at the King's University in South Lake, Texas. And he has graciously said yes to sharing his material on leadership. He is blending a lot of what psychology has done about the motivations of the heart and now blending that in how do we do that well in leadership. So he is going to share a little about himself and then we're going to dive in because we want to be strategic with our time today. All right. This is fun. <laughs> well, thanks for inviting me. It's a real honor to be here, Shannon. Absolutely. Looking forward to this and sharing with your viewing audience, um, some things I've gleaned over the years about leadership. Um, I didn't start off wanting to be a leadership teacher or guru. I'm not a guru by any means. Yes, but, he is. Uh, Masters of leadership. Shout out well, if you need more uh, training, this guy. No, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, when I went to pick a degree, I just said, well, I want to be a leader. So maybe I'll get a degree in leadership. But really, you know, at the PhD level, it's about scholarship and it's about investigating and researching and learning more about how to be effective. And so I've kind of committed the last 15 years of my life studying leadership, investigating it and teaching it to others so that they could be more effective leaders in whatever context they're in, whether it's a church or a business or a nonprofit. So I really feel like my calling in life and my, my role in the body of Christ is to help prepare leaders for effective and fruitful ministry. I love it. Yeah. Okay. So tell us about your recent research on leadership. Okay. Well, so it's interesting how we get inspired for new ideas. Uh, new ideas can come to us from many places. Uh, my initial uh, interest in leadership research was on calling and leader identity and how we see ourselves in the world and how the Lord works through our lives and the seasons of our lives to establish us in our role of leadership. Uh, but several years ago, I kind of pivoted a bit when I came upon an idea from an unlikely source, which was actually a book by uh, Mark and Debbie Lasser. You may be familiar with the Lassers, but they wrote a popular book called The uh, Seven Desires of Every Heart. And I love things that are in numbers, you know, the three, this, the five, that, the mm -hmm. 21, these or those. So when I saw the seven desires of every heart, which was actually aimed at helping marriages, because, you know, obviously love's an important component yeah. of marriage. And so I read this, uh, but my leadership thinking and wheels started turning as I was reading this. And I said, you know what, I think these ideas may be applicable in a leadership context. And then I also said, is there any way to test that hypothesis? Because oh. as a scholar, we can have good ideas, but we have to also test them to see if there's, yeah. there's validity. So, so I set out to do a little bit of research on that. I did a study on that, which I presented at the International Leadership Association and came up with some interesting connections between these seven desires and people's sense of commitment to their leader, their engagement to the organization. Wow. 
So who would have thought that love would be an important leadership competency, right? Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, not to bore your readers with too much uh, history here, but when you think about the development of, of leadership sort of as a field of management studies, initially, people were interested in what was called the scientific management of school, school thought. And they wanted to know what was the most effective. And so people were really seen as cogs in a machine. And how can we get the most out of people? Yeah. How can we be the most efficient? How can we get the highest productivity out of them? How can we manage them, right? Mm. How can we micromanage them so that the corporation benefits? Mm -hmm. Now I'm kind of drawing a bleak, sure. uh, broad brush picture here, but that's sort but of I think how- many people have felt like that. I know, right? But that's- that's sort of how the field got its start back at the turn of the century. Well, in the 40s, this whole new school came along called the Human Relations School. And the Human Relations School said organizations are run by people and people matter. So it's not just about the people and what they can do for the organization, but what can the organization do for the people as well? Mm -hmm. So sort of a healthy turn in understanding organizations and leadership. And so now leadership became much more of this symbiotic kind of relationship, not just you serving us, but us working together to serve in, in common cause. So, so the field has been moving in this direction of being more people-centered, understanding people and their needs and their motivations. And this idea of emotions at work came to the forefront about 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And perhaps you or your listeners have heard of this idea of emotions at work, because when people show up to work, they don't leave their feelings and their emotions at the door, right? Nope. People take their baggage, mm -hmm. uh, good or bad, mm -hmm. into their into their workplace with them. Yep. And whether they're serving on your church staff or in your business, leaders have to understand that people have feelings. Mm -hmm. And they're not just there to work and punch a clock, right? So if you expect people to give their all for you mm -hmm. and your organization, as a leader, you have to be willing to invest back in them to help satisfy some of those needs. Now, leaders can't satisfy every one of their needs, right? Obviously, we're social beings, we're in relationships variously, but in a work context, uh, the degree to which people feel socially connected with their peers, in particular their leader, this will enhance their engagement and connection to the leader and the organization itself. So fast forward, there's been a call for papers on this idea of love as an organizational virtue. How do you like that? And I, I saw the call. I know, right? Yeah. So, so we go from so we go from the scientific management to human relations. Sorry, I'm a teacher. To emotions at work, and now drilling down on the emotion of love and how is love satisfied in a work context? And so this is sort of a cutting edge idea because some people think love and leadership, like how do those two words even fit together? Right. I thought leadership was about command and control mm -hmm. and you're the big man and I do what you say and mm -hmm. I have to be impressed by your vision and yeah. all those kinds of things. But really uh, these, these kinds of real felt needs that people have, mm -hmm. uh, for love, for example, can be met in an organizational context. So again, you, you know, this can be misconstrued as well, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's been a lot of uh, problems with, you know, amorous love in a work context, right? And that's not what we're talking about here. Just to clarify. Good clarification. Good clarification, right? Okay, so we've seen too much abuse in that area. But the degree to which leaders can, in a responsible and healthy and socially acceptable way, express mm -hmm. love to followers, mm -hmm. there will be greater senses of engagement. Absolutely. So.
So I think it's helpful to kind of recognize ways that we might do some of these things in our own life. A lot of times when we're in leadership and we feel the false self, we feel the imposter syndrome, we feel like I have to assert that I am the leader, um, afraid that people are going to see through us and they're not going to respect us. A lot of leaders fail because they're not doing their own due diligence. So if you've ever worked for somebody and they just assert dominance and they don't really care about you and they just want the end product, often that's because they're not living from their true self. So we have to look in the mirror as well. I'm a leader as well. And there's definitely moments where I have missed it so much because I am going into task mode or I'm wanting to prove that I know what I'm talking about. And my own insecurity blinds me from being able to be aware of the need, the emotional connection and fostering a healthy non-amorous love um, in that relationship. So I think what he's saying is a lot of people in this generation would say, yeah, you know, you should love your leader or you should be loving. And that's like a good virtue, but to actually the nuts and bolts of it is really hard when we're humans yes. and we have our own stuff going on and yeah. you're a leader and your life doesn't stop just because you now go in and you have to care about everybody else. So if we're not putting the oxygen mask on ourselves, we can't really attune and meet the needs of the other. So what that's are some good. ways that's that- That's a good metaphor. I like that. Put the oxygen mask on yourself first. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. That's good. Um, okay. So what are practical ways that people can love well? Okay. I'm glad you asked that because one of the challenges from, from an organizational leadership perspective is how do we really operationalize some of these constructs, right? right? So in other words, how can we demonstrate these things in real specific and even measurable ways? So what I love about uh, this construct that, that Mark and Debbie Lasser came up with these seven desires are all very seven, seven. They're very tangible and they're very measurable. Okay. So you want to hear, you want to hear what these seven desires are? Drum roll. Okay, here we go. I'm going to explain them for your listeners. The first one is to be heard and understood. Okay. Now, a, a quote that I love on this is that, um, I believe it was by David Augsburger said that the, the desire to be heard is so close to being loved that few people can tell the difference. Mm. And so when people listen to us, we really have this feeling that they understand us, that they get us mm -hmm. and you know, that they love us. And so I think many leaders are steeped in the, I talk, you listen school, right? Mm -hmm. But I think this idea here suggests that leaders stop, slow down, close their mouth and use the two ears that God gave them. Right. Mm -hmm. So they can listen what people really saying. And what we often do is people are talking and we're sort of waiting for our opportunity to say what we really have to say, and especially as leaders. Well, mm -hmm. my agenda drives the ship here. So I'm just yeah. going to, you know, but that's not listening. Listening is saying, what is this person saying? Yeah. Reading between the lines, maybe even listening to their body language and listening to their facial expressions, right? We can listen with all of our senses, not just our ears. So what is this person really trying to say? So when we take the time to listen to people, uh, we are making great strides towards showing our love towards them. Perfect. So again, I think he touched on it, whether you are a parent or a pastor or a CEO or a professor, whatever your role is, you have leadership position. If you have sway and influence over somebody, your life is impacting them. And many times I'm going, yeah, I heard you. Like, what do you want? Instead of that person feeling known, they feel the resonance um, often in psychology, we call it like a tuning fork, which I know nothing about music, 
Frank over here, Renaissance bit. man, mm -hmm. he does. Yeah. I don't, but the metaphor is still helpful that you resonate with the person. What that means is I have to literally turn off the multitasking, the mind reading, the interpreting what they're saying, and just listen from a deeper place inside to know them. Most times when I'm in couples therapy and a person says, well, you said this, and it's like, yes, that may have been the intent or the impact, but it wasn't necessarily the intent. So for many times we are thinking that we're better listeners than we actually are. And I'll give an analogy when I'm in session with couples and I'll go, yeah, uh-huh. Okay. So you want me to clean up the socks? All right. So I should do this. And it's very glib. It's very forceful. It's kind of this digested, simplified instead of, hey, so you're feeling under supported at home and you'd like me to help more. What else can I do to change the environment so you feel more loved and less alone in our relationship and at home? That's good. And in a leadership context, I would say, you know, sometimes our uh, subordinates and peers say things but there is a deeper meaning. So they may say, say something like, boy, I heard there's a new opening in this particular department. Mm -hmm. And the leader might say, well, that's great. You should check it out. What are they really saying? They really might saying, I'm looking for some new opportunities around here. Mm -hmm. And is there any way for me to be challenged, for me to grow, for me to have some variety, mm -hmm. right? So what's behind people's expressions uh, in, in a workplace context? That's perfect. Yeah. Can I share the second one? No, please. Okay. So the first one is to be heard. The second one was to be affirmed. People want to be affirmed. When we affirm them, they believe that we love them. And how, so how do we affirm people? Or what is affirming? Well, recognizing the contributions that they're making. Mm -hmm. Good job. I noticed that mm -hmm. you did a great job there. Hey, can I mention something? When you did that, when you said that, that was perfect. You mm -hmm. made a great contribution to the team. Just mentioning their real value to the organization and to the team goes mm -hmm. a long way at expressing love to people. Absolutely. People want to be affirmed mm -hmm. because let's, it, at the end of the day, we're all, you know, insecure children. And we want to know that somebody notices us and cares about us and thinks that what we're doing is actually valuable. And as leaders, we can go a long way of doing that because we're in a prime position to affirm people. Mm -hmm. And so it's so important for us to speak words of affirmation to people to help them feel uh, loved and appreciated by you. Absolutely. And I think for many people, they think that because we had a generation where there was like, they, you should just know that I love you. So we didn't really say, I love you. I didn't really say I'm proud of you. I have many older clients that would say, you know, maybe I heard my dad say he loved me once in my entire life. So then now those people are the leaders of this generation. And so for the millennial and the Z, they've gotten so much affirmation, the general praise that everybody's doing such a great job, gold star, that if you're working with a younger person, you actually want to be more specific with your feedback. When you contributed in this way, yeah. I recognize your effort mm -hmm. in this specific thing mm -hmm. that goes much further than growing up in a culture where I've been told gold star for everything. And, and I think that's a good clarification, especially for the Gen Z. I, I would not suggest, and I think you're clarifying here that you affirm people just to affirm them. So they feel oh, yeah. good. Yeah. When you recognize a genuine achievement, that's when you affirm them. Mm -hmm. And conversely, when, you know, they don't pull their weight, mm -hmm. you know, you got to speak to them uh, with some correction as well. And how do you think someone can do that? Because I've heard a lot of leaders say with millennial and with Z, sometimes it's hard to give constructive feedback. Yeah. The easy, loving, wonderful. I know, right. But the constructive can be really hard. It's very hard. 
And it's taken. I personal. think, well, it, it starts with the relationship mm -hmm. because, you know, the millennials and Gen Z are very relational. Mm -hmm. And I think if you have developed what what's called relational equity, mm -hmm. right? So you have relational equity in the bank. Every once in a while, you need to make a withdrawal. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that withdrawal can hurt when you have to say, hey, can I talk to you about this? If you have a solid relationship with that person, they're much mm -hmm. less likely to check out, zone out, leave mm -hmm. the organization than if all they hear from you is criticism without the relationship. So mm -hmm. I, I've kind of developed a maxim, you know, uh, love with relationship uh, or criticism with relationship leads to respect, mm -hmm. but criticism without relationship leads to rejection, right? So, so if good. all we hear is criticism, yeah. So you have to you have to invest in people and developing a healthy relationship with them so that you earn the right to give them that kind of constructive feedback. Right. And I think there's a lot of leaders that think you're doing your job. So I don't need to like give you a cookie. I don't need to keep telling you praise and applause. You got a paycheck. What yeah. else do you want from me? <laughs> yeah. You got a comfy chair to sit in. Like, I don't know what else you're wanting. I agree. Here. I agree. Um, and so there are many leaders that they burn out their staff because they're not giving enough good feedback in the day to day. And so then when they have to give the hard back, hard feedback, then they're already running in a deficit or running in the red, if you want to think of a bank account. And so what you're wanting to do is think more strategically, how can I invest in this person in the way that they receive feedback? So many times, especially if it's someone who uh, values themselves as being very smart, um, it's really a good idea to ask them a question first. So, hey, help me understand when you were doing this, what was your, what was your line of reasoning? Hey, I'm curious if I could share another perspective or the impact was this. I know that that was not your heart. And so you're just trying to be relational in the fact that this person may have a lot of shame or pride or defensiveness. And so you may learn some workarounds because they're a great employee or child or whatever capacity you're a leader. Um, you just want to learn how to navigate so that they're not feeling super triggered all the time. You're trying to give affirmation without obviously being responsible for their emotions, but you can give the time that they need to learn what are your love languages. And they have work love languages as well. If you haven't seen those, there's a great resource. Um, so I'm going to let you go to your number three. Okay, here we go. Number three. The next one is to be blessed. Hmm. Now, that's a bit of a Christian buzzword, right? And it could be kind of broad. But in this context, what what I believe the, the Lassers meant was, and by the way, I don't know if you know this, and your, your, your fans out here might appreciate that Mark and Debbie Lassers were disciples of Virginia Satir, right? The mother of uh, family mm -hmm. counseling and all that kind of stuff. Okay, you probably know a lot more about that than I do. Mm -hmm. um, but so this idea of being blessed means to simply be uh, appreciated for who you are. Mm not for what you've done. So affirmed are words of affirmation for a particular act. Bless, in my view, means I appreciate you, I love you, I include you simply because of who you are. You are valuable as a person, mm. irrespective of the tasks that you do, the work that you do. Mm -hmm. And so it's sort of this unconditional acceptance in a sense, right? We all understand that from a Christian perspective, it's unconditional uh, acceptance. Now the challenge from, with this one from a work perspective is this, what if somebody's not carrying their load? Do I still unconditionally accept them and bless them, right? Mm. Well, you don't flush out the baby with the bathwater here. Obviously, as a leader, as a manager, you have a responsibility to make sure people performing and carrying their weight, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But to only make people feel like they're valuable in as much as they do work for you, that doesn't express love, right? Yeah. But to show that you love and appreciate them just as a human being that they have value, 
uh, that goes a long way at expressing love towards people. And what are practical ways that leaders can do that? Oh, that's a good one. Boy, she stumped, she stumped the guest here. <laughs> what are some practical ways? I, you know, I think perhaps um, acknowledging them, not just for their work, mm -hmm. you know, hey, how is it going? You know, showing that you care about them as a person, mm -hmm. that you like them as a person, not just for the tasks that they did. Right. So expressing a sense of relationship and interest in them, mm -hmm. not just in their role, but as a person. Yeah. Do you have any good ideas on that one? I do. Okay, let's hear them. So I think that this one came to mind because it was last night that I have a team that I work with. And so just inviting them to come to a women's night or something that's empowering them and investing in them that doesn't benefit me or the business in any capacity, except that they feel invested into and cared about. And it wasn't manipulative. It wasn't like I'm going to win brownie points, but as you're talking, I'm like, Oh, I think I did that last night because I genuinely care about those people. Mm -hmm. And I hope that they feel that. Um, and then you find out what they are in interested in. And so, especially if you were to give your employee gifts or something that lets them know, I really care about you in these ways. And obviously we have to say, be aware of what they do like and what they don't like, because sometimes if you are like trying to give them money or promotions or upgrades, most people would probably love that. But I do have lots of clients that they don't like that. That makes them feel really unknown because they would rather have quality time with you face to face instead of always like, on the fly and trying to communicate. Um, or a lot of kids, they'll say, gosh, I just wish my parents wouldn't stop, wouldn't try to just buy me all the time. I wish that they would actually invest in me and ask about what's going on in my life and my emotions versus just the end product of what my grades are or what the deadline is. And so those are ways that we can be really strategic and even keeping a log of like what makes this person feel loved and cared about and then following up. How is that trip with your family or how is that dissertation going? What is the area in your life unrelated to here that I can show you that I'm interested in and I'm invested in That's you? Good. Those are some good ideas. All right. You ready for number four? <laughs> so much. Okay. This is a good one here. You're going to like this one. The next one is to, to be safe. Mm -hmm. People want to be safe. Now you might think of that in a, in a work context. Well, yeah, I'm safe. I show up and mm -hmm. you know, I don't feel in harm. I don't feel like the light fixtures are going to fall on me. Um, there's a couple ways that lack of safety can play out in a workplace. Yeah. Uh, one of those is simply by workplace bullying. And you may know that bullying is an issue, not just in schools, but in workplaces. And maybe you've worked with a bully before at work. I, mm -hmm. I have, I know yeah. people who have, um, there's, you know, the, the bully that grows up in the playground goes to work and guess what? Sometimes they're still a bully. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we can experience, we can experience that another way. And this is where I think leadership really comes into play is by, providing psychological safety to people. Mm -hmm. So people know that when they speak up, uh, when they have an opinion, it's a safe place to do so. Mm -hmm. Because there's nothing worse, and maybe you've experienced this, and maybe your viewers have experienced this, is to share something that you really think is a great idea, and then your leader just like snaps at you and chops you down and makes you feel like, Oh, sorry, I shared that, right? Mm -hmm. And what you'll do in time, if you don't create an environment of psychological safety where people feel like they have voice, mm -hmm. right? Where voice is this idea that I can express what's really important. I'm not worried about the response. I'm just, this is my genuine self and I'm going to express this in the workplace. If you 
if you set the tone where people don't have voice, mm -hmm. you are going to cause a culture now where people don't express how they really feel. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, before long, people are suppressing their, their real selves and their, their desire to contribute. And they think, well, if I say this based on my experience last time, I'm going to get shut down. So mm -hmm. people stop sharing. Yeah. And so you create a culture where people are not free, freely expressing, and that hurts the organization. Mm -hmm. And you may think as the leader, well, hey, well, I'm really running the ship here and these are my ideas. But what you're doing is you're handicapping yourself because you're not getting the advantage of all these wonderful people yeah. that you have in your organization. Mm -hmm. So providing a safe environment that's, that's safe, not just from the bullying, but where people feel safe to share and express their real selves and they feel included. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and criticism and contempt would be criticism. Another, yeah, that's yeah, really good that anything that and it's a double edged sword, because mm -hmm. everybody has a projection. And we all have lenses, the employee and the leader or the child and the parent, whatever your dynamic of leadership is, or pastor parishioner, there's all kinds of ways that we can inadvertently express um, disapproval. And remember, facial expressions mm -hmm. are much more than your actual words. Mm -hmm. If I look at you and say, I am really pleased with what you've done. Mm -hmm. I am really pleased with what you've done. Mm -hmm. Everything is conveyed differently with body language, tone, mm -hmm. um, facial expressions. Mm -hmm. When you're able to express from your heart, I really appreciate what you've done. And may I share some feedback? Mm -hmm. So they already feel honored and safe before you give the feedback, which feels more like I am secure in this place versus I'm just going to get slammed down. And many times when we're stressed, the limbic system, the emotional brain causes us to not realize and be able to modulate how much our tone, our facial expressions, the curtness of the way that we speak. Um, thank you. That's fine. Mm -hmm. I will take it from here. Um, that message in your brain may be like, hey, I'm, I'm fine. I will take it, whatever. But really, you may be shutting down and squashing yeah. creativity and innovation that that person could contribute if they yeah. felt safe in that environment. Yeah. That's really good. Uh, an excellent book by Dan Coyle called The uh, Culture Code mm -hmm. talks about belonging cues. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure where he got that idea from, but this idea of letting people know they belong, that it's okay for them to be them real selves. Mm -hmm. Because you're right, these sort of things that we're unaware of, maybe the you know, the straight face or the eye roll, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, oh, there, here he goes again. Mm -hmm. uh, or even the hesitancy. And again, I'm not saying this is always easy, but people pick up these subtle cues, these belonging cues. Mm -hmm. And when they begin to get a preponderance of lack of belonging cues, it will cause all this shutting down. And mm -hmm. you're right. I, this is part of the leadership literature refers to this idea of, uh, of, of, of openness and belonging and not feeling stifled in our genuine self. So absolutely. Yeah, that's good. You ready for the next one? Sure. All right. We're coming down the home stretch here. Now, this one might be a little controversial. Uh, the, 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 the next one is to be touched. Now you might be thinking, oh, we can't do that in a workplace. Well, there's a couple of ways that I would uh, sort of articulate this in a leadership context. Uh, first of all, by simple uh, socially acceptable gestures, such as handshaking, shoulder patting, maybe the side hug, you know, whatever you're comfortable with. Obviously, you know, uh, this can be misconstrued in a workplace context, right? Okay, so that's not what we're talking about, right? We know there's rules about sexual harassment and all those sorts of things. But I think there's, there's socially acceptable ways to show people, mm -hmm. uh, to connect with people. 
So starting a meeting with a handshake, mm -hmm. giving them a bit of, you know, a fist bump, a mm -hmm. high five, whatever you can do to physically connect with people. Or a COVID a elbow. A COVID elbow. You know, it's like people need that. We're social animals. And again, when people show up to work, they don't shut down their human side. They're not just rational working machines. Mm -hmm. They are feeling, you know, sensitive things and entities and things. I'm sounding like real wonky here. You sound very research oriented. I sound Sorry. It's my PhD coming out. <laughs> So, so whatever we can do, and these are all simple things, right? Shaking somebody's hand, giving them a COBA bump, giving them a high five. Now there's another way too. And there's some interesting literature on this too, that suggests that when we are in closer proximity to people, mm -hmm. we have much better communication with people. How do you like that? It's kind of intuitive, but it's been researched, right? So the, the closer you work with somebody, so let's just say your coworker is right next to you in a QB. And another coworker works in the building across the street. Guess who you're going to feel closer to, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to be that person, right? Even if they're not in the same department, you're just going to develop a relationship with them mm -hmm. because of proximity. So when I think of touch in the workplace, I think about how far are you sitting away from people, right? Mm -hmm. And I think part of the challenge in this COVID era, the work from home era, is that a lot of people are going to start to feel disconnected from their workplace and from their, sure. from their supervision because now they're working from home. And so can you get your tasks done at home? Yeah, you can get your tasks done at home. Will you feel connected to the people you work with and your leadership? Uh, that's a little tougher because you know, and you could probably explain this a lot better than me, when we touch people or in physical proximity, there are certain chemicals that are released oxytocin. in our brains, right? Oxytocin and all these feel good, mm -hmm. right? So when you work, those are important. You mm -hmm. feel good about your work relationships and that helps you engage. But if you don't have those things, you know, what's the predictable result is mm -hmm. that people are not going to feel as connected and safe and close and committed. Mm -hmm. And obviously the therapist and me. So 90% of the population, I think that is 100% true. And then be aware of social cues. Some people come from a trauma background where being touched could feel very uncomfortable. Yes, yeah. And your motives may be really wonderful and you've done nothing wrong, but that's just kind of the, the life story that they've walked through. So also be aware that you want to even ask if you are going to touch somebody like, hey, are you okay with the COVID elbow or whatever you're going to offer to that person? And just make sure that feels safe to them. Um, um, and then you as a leader, make sure that with your good motives that you don't have an actual like hand movement anywhere else on accident. So just, I know it would make you feel uncomfortable and awkward, but you really don't want somebody misconstruing your hand, just kind of flailing out there and hitting a rear end or something. Yeah. Um, so yeah. just, I've been on the other side of some of those going wrong, yeah. but I think what he's saying is so, so key. And especially if it's a pastor or a uh, family member a parent to a child, make sure you are touching people in healthy and appropriate ways yeah. that feel good to the other person. And this, I know that's a challenging one in today's day and age with sensitivities and scandals and such, but I think in, in ways, yeah. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Can I go on to the next one? I got a couple left. And I know we're coming down the home stretch here. Yeah. I got time. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Cause I think <laughs> this is a good one here. I okay. really, I really like this one to be chosen. Uh... We have to, people want to be chosen. They want to know that you've noticed them and you've said, Hey, why don't you be part of this committee. Uh -huh. Hey, would you consider this job assignment, uh -huh. right? So when we express, when we select people, when we identify people and say, hey, I want to include you, mm -hmm. right? I want you to be, well, I'm kind of blurring with the lines here because that's my next one. 
spoiler alert, uh, <laughs> I could lump those two together, actually. So chosen and included, right? Mm -hmm. So people want to be included. They want to feel like they belong to a special group. Mm -hmm. uh, Seth Godin wrote, uh, Godin wrote a great book a few years ago called Tribes, right? Are you familiar with Seth's book? And he says that in a work context, we all have these tribes, these people that we identify with. Mm -hmm. uh, another great book out there called Tribal Leadership. And uh, Logan suggests that we have these uh, natural affinity groups mm -hmm. with certain people in work context. Mm -hmm. And it may not have anything to do with your department or your division. It could just be certain people. Maybe you went to the same school, mm -hmm. right? Or maybe oh, you, you know, you have the same degree or you live in this, you know. So there's a lot of reasons why people feel included in a group. The point here is not to belabor it, is to help people feel included in your group as a leader. Now, there's another interesting theory. Can I just throw one more theory out here? Please. Okay, it's called leader member exchange, right? LMX. And leader member exchange suggests that when uh, when we include people in our inner circle, mm -hmm. right? So a leader has an in-group. Think about Jesus for a second, right? Mm -hmm. He had Peter, James, and John. And then we have out groups. So think about all the other 12, right? Mm -hmm. Like Matthias and some of these guys that we only know about their names, mm -hmm. right? When we include people, they receive higher levels of trust and confidence and better work assignments and all those sorts of things. So as a leader, I, I always encourage students, think about who your circle is and how can you reasonably expand your circle so that people feel included mm -hmm. in part of your important group? Mm -hmm. Because people sense that real clearly, whether they're included or not. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure Matthias and Thaddeus and all those other wonderful disciples mm -hmm. kind of sat around looking how come Peter and James, you know, mm -hmm. they were the little sidebar. Hey, how come Peter and James and John are always hanging out with Jesus, you know? Now, listen, I'm not going to fault Jesus's leadership, okay? He was the master. But what I would say to us mere mortals is the more you can include people, uh -huh. the more they will feel connected with you and committed to you. And guess what? They'll work harder for you. More loyal. They'll be more loyal. And there's all kinds of upside of including people in your inner circle. So, and again, I, I understand that leaders only have so much bandwidth. They mm -hmm. only have so much time. There's so many people, they have direct reports that they have to allow mm -hmm. to, you know, access them. But I, I think a lot of leaders are maybe just a little too stingy on that. Mm -hmm. And that they're with a little bit of effort, you could include people and that will go a long way at helping people feel connected to you as a leader. What are ways that we can help people feel chosen or like they're in the in-group and they belong? Well, I think by simply uh, noticing them, I think by you know, just simple things, you know, have you ever heard of MBWA management by walking around, you know, you just walk around and you talk to people and you say, mm -hmm. hey, man, what's going on? Mm -hmm. Hey, I, I'm doing this new thing. I'm doing this new project. I thought of you. What would you think about helping out? Even if it's for a simple assignment, yeah. hey, just come to one meeting, yep, right? That's good. I love to include people. Just say, hey, can you come and make a contribution? Even mm -hmm. if I know you're busy, but if you could just come and speak to our group this one yeah. time, because I think you've got something to offer, you probably have some ideas. Yeah, being able to offer that person a seat at the table, especially if they're an intern or they're younger and they might already kind of be feeling like I don't really belong here, being able to say, here's some things I think you have to offer and here's some growth areas. I think if you trend this way, you will have so much to offer in this space and we want to create space for you to grow and learn and be able to offer that gift that you have. And 
so just recognizing what are the gifts and the talents most of the time, um, not perfectly, obviously, but normally I will have my clients and any of my team members take personality assessment tests so that I can know what their strengths are, what their gifts are. I want to do kind of a, a little bit of an analysis ahead of time, not to psychoanalyze, but to be able to know what are your strengths, what are your talents. I love strength finders. I love the Myers-Briggs. I love the disc profile. There's so many out there that you can just kind of vet people and know who they are and then pull out the gold in them. And you can say, hey, I recognize this in you and I'm choosing you to contribute in that space. When you do, people feel like, I, I'm being picked for the volleyball team, you know, or the kickball team, yeah. like that inner part of us that just wants to belong mm -hmm. feels so valuable. And again, the commitment level, the loyalty, the contribution usually will go up. And now there's always the outliers where there's a, a situation, but odds are good that person would have had a situation anyway. Mm -hmm. You just do you really well. You find out what is the strength in this person and how do I call it out? Um, and a lot of times you may have people that are annoying. And so in groups- You mean like Judas? <laughs> You may have a little backstiver. You may have an issue in a group. I know it's shocking. I'm the only one that would think of that. You know, most of my offices, we troubleshoot problems, um, but you may have those issues. And what I found is if you find somebody really needy, let's say, and you look them in the eye and say, hey, I recognize the strength in you. And I am proud of the way you've been leaning into this space. I want you to know that you have permission and I am giving you permission to lean in here. So when you say that and you see how my resonance went down, I'm looking them in the eye and I'm saying, hey, I see worth and value in you. And I'm seeing it in this specific area. Most of the time, people just uh, inadvertently, even unconsciously, will just kind of pull back away from the needy person or the loud person that talks every meeting, meeting and over talks everybody else. It would be great to look at them and say, you have so many great ideas. Thank you for sharing. And would you now help make sure because you're more extroverted and you have so much to share that we're pulling out the gems from the introverts mm -hmm. as well. Would you be a part of, and I'm selecting you, choosing you for this role of making sure that our whole team is collaborating instead of just kind of tensing up or sometimes at work, there will be like a little side smile between two people. And that person now feels really ostracized and stupid. And now they're feeling offended. And so they're going to probably do that behavior more, even though unconscious, they don't realize it's causing them to be annoying or aggravating. It's that inner part of them that feels really undermined. And so then I will prove myself even more to be smart. And I'm going to talk even more. Many times, if we would slow down and just look people in the eye, all of the seven points he just gave, that's why I wanted him and not just opinion, but this is vetted. This is research. This is depth. And I told him not to use all the big words, <laughs> but, but can I show that I, I did have a, a factual finding though? I want to hear it. Okay. So, cause you might say, well, these all sound great, Frank, uh, these seven things, but are these really effective in leadership? Can these really help me improve my leadership? Will these improve people's sense of job satisfaction and engagement at work? The answer is yes. I, so I did some research. I, I put together a, an instrument which measures people's uh, uh, attitudes towards something, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I was able to show a statistical connection without boring your people with any uh, uh, research terms here, but I was able to show a connection between people's sense of feeling these seven from a leader and 
their sense of satisfaction and engagement at work. Now, there's a lot more to people's engagement at work, right? Obviously, the work itself, and you know, there's a lot of other factors. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but what I can say is that leaders that demonstrate these things are going to go a long way towards helping people feel satisfied mm -hmm. and engage at work. So good. Right? Yes. All right. Okay. So if somebody is out there and you're thinking, how do I get more involved in leadership? How do I get trained? Um, what are things people could be doing? What are practical takeaways? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Uh, leaders are readers. So read as much as you can and try to read the good stuff. There's a lot of pop press out there today. Uh, one of the first things I do with my students is help them to discern different streams of thought and leadership. So the first thing I do as an academic is I look at the back and I say, show me your research, show me your sources. If there's none of those, it could just be an opinion piece or somebody's experience. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, listen, Jack Welsh's book is great. Uh, Rudy Giuliani's book is great because they're great leaders and we can learn a lot from them. But I always encourage students to go to the type of leadership literature. It's a little more vetted. That's mm -hmm. a little more background. Uh, that has currency beyond just one person's experience. Okay? Mm -hmm. So so read, learn how to investigate the, the deeper things of leadership literature. Now, if you're really serious uh, at the King's University, where I'm a professor, and uh, Dr. Crawford is also a professor, we have a program called the Masters of Organizational Leadership. And I'm privileged to be the director of that program, and I teach in that. And if you're serious and you have a bachelor's degree, I would encourage you call us up and find out more about our MOL program. And we talk about this stuff all the time. You'll take classes in organizational leadership, organizational behavior, yeah. which leadership is part of uh, organizational development and change, conflict management, mm -hmm. which is an ever-present reality, current issues in leadership studies. And it comes from a seminary. So TKU is a seminary and we are ATS accredited. And so it's not just an MOL that you're going to get at a state school. It's going to have a lot of the same kind of currency and topics, but we've got that biblical foundation mm -hmm. and our application is geared towards people that are in ministry or missions minded businesses, businesses, mm -hmm. mission, business leaders, Christian businessmen and women. So mm -hmm. it's a great program. I'd love to hear from any of you who are interested in that. And you can still be in your full-time job. I feel like a commercial right now, but um, I do love the King's promotion. University and we're not being paid to do this. We actually just really, promotion. we love being at the King's University. I also love Regent University and Azusa Pacific because I'm alumni of all those. Well, uh, the first two. So anyway, I just want you to know you can still uh, do your existing gig. So if you're at an organization, a nonprofit, a business, um, a pastor, wherever you are, you it's geared toward letting you That's be right. able to toggle and do both at the it's same time. It's online primarily and it's part-time. So it's very doable. Most of our students, the majority of our students are all working adults, pastors, business so people. Yeah. Love it. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining us, audience. Thank you, Frank. I appreciate your time. Yes. This was really here. fun. And we will see you for the next episode. And I hope that you enjoy some sunshine and taking time to be loved so that you can love others well. Bye, guys. Hey friends, thanks for listening. We would love for you to get plugged in with the Unlock You community. So follow the links below and stay up to date with upcoming content, events, and groups. We are here to invest in you and tailor episodes around your interests. Post comments, and hey, if there are any specific topics you'd like to hear about, let us know so we can strategically build content that is meaningful to you. 
And will you share this podcast so we can invest into more amazing people? Be sure to hit subscribe so we can see you for the next episode.